was an amazing day where I parented perfectly. I mean, I did everything right. I anticipated all my kids' moves. I knew exactly what they needed before they even told me what they needed. And, and I, and I kind of looked down on other parents because I'm like, oh, it's easy. Why can't they figure it out as well? There was, there, was, there was this day, and that day was the day before I had children, Today we're going to talk about parenting in our series, It's Complicated. Uh, but I think beyond just for the dads and the dudes in the room, happy dads and dudes day, by the way, uh, be, beyond just the parents in the room, I think we have all something to learn from in this today. Because here's the truth about parenting. Whether you are a parent, whether you have a parent, which I'm assuming all of you do, Um, there is something about parenting that is true. And the truth is this, parenting is complicated. That's the truth about parenting. Parenting is complicated because there was a day before I had kiddos where I thought I can figure this parenting thing out. And then there was two fateful dates in my life. October the 3rd, 2012, my son Eli James was born. And he is an amazing young man. Uh, he, he actually put together a 3D printer at nine years of age, 3D printer together, and it actually works. He has this incredible technological brain. Uh, he loves to learn about computers, and, and he loves uh, trying to figure things out. He's kind of this engineer in process. He also loves uh, camping and hunting, and he's getting into fishing with me, and so I uh, just love, love, love him. And uh, my daughter, Ava Marie Van Epps was born on June 29, 2014. So she's got a birthday coming up soon. She's going to be eight years of age, and she is a beautiful social butterfly. She is li- lively, brings life to every room. We, we, we say that she brings flavor to every room, and she brings light to every room. She lights up a room and brings a lot of spice along with her. In fact, she wanted me to share a little bit about her this morning with you. And so before I left this morning, she said, wait, dad, wait, daddy, wait, daddy, wait. She wanted me to share this <clears throat> written from her. She asked that I, I tell you that she loves Cat Kid Comet Comic Club and loves reading and loves listening to playaways and that she loves me. Okay. Yeah, there we go. They're amazing kids, but can I tell you something? They are complicated. They are complicated. And as we've talked about throughout this series, so am I, so are you, so are we. And so parenting is complicated. 
So what does that mean for us? For those of us who are parents, who want to be parents someday, how do we do that better? Because I think most parents are just trying to figure it out. I think most parents are doing the best that they can. So kids have a little grace for your parents. But the question wouldn't be, how can we survive parenting? The question this morning for us would be this. How can we thrive in parenting? How can we do better in parenting? In fact, I'll pose it this way. I think that Christian parents should cultivate an impressive faith. That's what I want to spend some time thinking about this morning. Christian parents should cultivate an impressive faith, a faith that makes an impression. And so that might feel like a lot of weight on us. That might feel like a heavy responsibility, and it is. So how do we learn to have an impressive faith? Well, I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9, chapter 6, 4 through 9, it says this. By the way, a little context. Moses is saying this to the people of God. And this passage itself was read over and over and over again by the nuclear family at that time. It's known as the Shema, or Hear, O Israel. And it's central hub to the faith of those at that time that are hearing this. They've said it every single day. So he says this to them. Hear, O Israel, Shema Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them, impress them, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. So what does an impressive faith look like? That is what is posed right here. It's trying to give us a picture of what an impressive faith looks like. And and I want to unpack that word impressive because you say, hey, are you trying to be the show-off parent? No, no, no. I'm not trying to be the insta-parent, okay? I'm not trying to get you to be like impressed by my parenting. Hey, check out my nine-year-old who can say all his ABCs, knows all his colors, and already knows how to walk, and he's going to get into Harvard. Like, I'm not that guy, okay? I promise you. But what I mean when I say impressive in terms of faith is, what impression is your faith leaving? I was hunting in Galton Canyon a couple years ago on opening weekend for a rifle elk. And on the second day of that hunt, I came back to some tracks that I had had from the day before. And on top of my tracks, which are a pretty good size, like 13 boot print, were these massive prints that were about as big as a dinner plate of Grizzly who had walked right down my prints on the night before as I had walked out that night that made an impression on me because of the impression in the snow. Do you see what I'm getting at? Like, I'm not asking you to transform, to change the world, but I am saying that as parents, we have the opportunity to make a dent. We have the opportunity to make an impact we have the opportunity to leave an impression. A lot of folks have been asking me about my new endeavor. So I announced this 
last month, but I'm starting something called Legacy Guides. So at the beginning of September, I'll be coming off staff. I'll be preaching, still be preaching from time to time here. Um, But what I'm going to be focusing my time and energy on uh, is working with men to talk about their legacy. And here's what a legacy is. A legacy is simply this. It's the story that someone else will tell. The story that someone else will tell. That's what your legacy is. And so what I'm going to be doing with men is getting together with them and saying, hey, how can we craft that story? How can we work on that story? How can we not be accidental about that story? But how can we be intentional about that story? So that your life, your parenting, your marriage, it leaves an impact, it leaves an impression. And so I walked them through a legacy plan. We have action steps and we have risk evaluation. We have some assessments that we do and we get together and we kind of converge adventure and planning a legacy with one another. In the midst of that conversation, one of the things I always bring up uh, is Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the second habit is this, begin with the end in mind. One of the practices that I do, one of the exercises that I do with the guys that I coach and and guide, I I say to them, hey, we're going to imagine that someday we're at your funeral, that we're at your funeral, a little bit of a morbid way for us to start our coaching session together, right? But we're at your funeral, and and I would say there's going to be four people who speak at your funeral, your wife, your spouse, if applicable, is going to come and speak at your uh, funeral, your kiddos going to come speak at your funeral, a coworker is going to speak at your funeral, and then somebody from the community or from your church is going to come speak at your funeral. And what I try to say to them is, hey, what's the story that they're going to tell? Like, not so what's the story you hope they tell, but like, what's the actual story that they're going to tell? What impression have you made upon them? What impact have you had in their life? And if it's not the impact that you want, how can we get there? How can we work intentionally to create the impact, create the impression that you actually want, a lasting impression, a life-giving impression to those around you? So we are called to cultivate a faith that is impressive, that, that impacts people. And, and so... I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about some tangible things that we can do to live out, to cultivate an impressive faith in our family, in our home, no matter what your home looks like. So three ideas for cultivating an impressive faith. Three ideas for cultivating an impressive faith. Number one, start with your heart. Number one, start with your heart. Heart. See, oftentimes we start with other people's problems, other people's issues, but scriptures always point us back to our own hearts. Verse five in this chapter says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So specifically in parenting, I want to say this, parenting starts with you. Parenting starts with You, this is pretty heavy. I I, I wear this. I I feel this. Uh, Oftentimes I want to point to my kids' bad behaviors or what my kids working through. But but man, I hesitate when I think about, man, how do I have to work on myself? Like, how do I have to work on the things in my own life? But scripture is encouraging us to start with our own heart. 
Bob touched on this a couple weeks ago when he said, hey, we all want that friend that we can call at two in the morning, right? I, I would have added to that. I would have been like, hey, I need a friend who I can call and say, hey, bring a shovel and no questions, okay? That's like the friend I'm looking for, okay? <laughs> shovel and no question friend, okay? But the question is, am I that friend? Not do I have that friend? Where is that friend? Am I that friend? And the same question for our relationships and parenting with our kiddos would, would apply. We would ask this question, what's going on in my own heart? What's going on in my own life? See, an impressive faith is much more easy caught than taught. An impressive faith is much more easy caught than taught. Here's what I mean. Your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching you. There's this great theologian, Trace Atkins, uh, who sings a song called Watching You, right? Then my four-year-old said a four-letter word started with S, and I was concerned. And I said, son, where'd you learn to talk like that? And then he said, come on, sing with me. I've been watching you, dad ain't that cool, right? You know the song, right? A couple of you are like, I lost him, I lost you. I lost you at country, okay. Welcome to Montana, okay. <laughs> Your kids are watching you. My kids are watching me. It's daunting, honestly. Um, one of the greatest memories that I have of my own father is one morning I came upstairs and he was sitting at the table and he has Bible in front of him just like this, coffee out in front of him just like this. And he was praying and he said, hey bud, why don't you come up, you wanna join me? And I didn't know that. Every, every morning he'd been doing that. His whole life he's been doing that. And, and I always, I, I just, it was such a pivotal moment. It was that moment where I'm like, oh, that, this is what, my dad does this and I have no idea about it. Every morning he gets up and he reads his Bible and he prays and I was, I was watching that. And it impressed something upon me. And I think it's easier for us to point the finger. Look at those bad parents. Man, my kids just can't make good choices. I wish they would just do a little better. No, no, no. What is going on in your own heart? We'd rather look at someone else, point the finger in their faith, rather than do the hard work of self-examination and humbly working on the broken places within our lives. Matt Chandler and... Adam Griffin uh, wrote a book called Family Discipleship. So Family Discipleship, super easy. You can grab it on Amazon. I get nothing for that, but I just want you to know it is an incredible resource. And the subtitle of this book is Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestones. It's got incredible insights, tips, techniques. If you want some ideas to take from this sermon, uh, I studied it, and so like, it is very helpful, very practical. It will put tools in your hands to be the parent that God wants you to be, okay? So family discipleship, leading your, time through, leading through your home through time, moments, and milestones. But before he talks about tips and techniques, you know what they talk about? They talk about modeling. They have a whole section on modeling. What are you modeling to your children? What are you modeling to your coworker? What are you modeling to your roommate? What are you modeling to your spouse? Is it worthy of impression? Is it worthy of impact? 
Is it where you want it to be? You need to start with your own heart. In our relationships, especially in parenting, we need to start with our own heart. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our strength. In my personal legacy statement, one of the lines is that I want to be a passionate follower of Jesus. That's what I want on my gravestone. That's what I want people to say at my funeral. That's what I want my kids to say about me. But you know what? They won't say that, say that unless they see that. If they see that I'm a passionate follower of Jesus, they will see that and that will put an impression upon their lives. Not if I just say it, not if I just tell them that, but if I live it out, start with your own heart. Number two, Number two, delight in your daughters and strengthen your sons. I feel like I could do a whole sermon on both of those. Delight in your daughters and strengthen <clears throat> your sons. So just two weeks ago, uh, I was with uh, a CEO from Christianity Today, and he was out on a business trip and was taking a little bit of time away, and he brought one of his daughters along, 10-year-old little girl named Sarah. Uh, and we had a phenomenal day together, I kind of showed him around and um, we got on the Madison River, and at one point, I'm, I'm helping them, and we're fishing together, and I look over, and Sarah's like hanging onto the pole, and it's shaking, and she's like, I think I have a fish on. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And so <clears throat> I run over and net the fish, and um, we all celebrate, and we get these pictures, and I thought, this is the moment of the day. Like, this is that moment. This is that beautiful moment. Get the pictures, all that, let the fish go. It's amazing. But then something even better happened later in the day. So we were kind of tidying up and getting ready to leave, and we were going to go check out Quake Lake together. And, and I, I said, hey, let's head back to the truck. And so I just start walking, and I just sense, like, I should just leave them, like, have, you know, a, a daughter-dad moment. And I kind of peeked over my shoulder. I was walking back to the truck, and I looked over, and I see Sarah reach out and grab her daddy's hand. Ten-year-old girl. She takes her dad's hand, and they walk down the bank, hand in hand, Fly rod in each arm. Now, if that isn't a picture of love, I don't know what is. Fly rod in one hand, daddy's hand in the other, right? You know what I mean? Okay. It was just this beautiful moment. And I thought, I have something to learn here. So we got into the truck and we were heading out. And I said, hey, hey Tim, seems like you just have a really great relationship with your daughter. Can you tell me what the, like, maybe some of the keys to that are? I've got a seven, almost eight-year-old and I... I want to have that relationship with my daughter as well. And he said, you need to delight in your daughter. Your daughter needs to know that you delight in her. We had this conversation that reminded me of a book written by Stacey Eldridge called Captivating, where she poses this question that many, many, if not most women ask, which is, am I worthy of being delighted in? Am I worthy of being delighted in? Am I captivating? And I, I want to lean in a little bit here because it's Father's Day. Dads, delight in your daughters. Answer that question for them. They are delightful. They are captivating. When you lean into that, you can see it in their eyes. Just this morning, I was leaving the house and as I'm literally opening up the front door, I hear this little voice, Daddy, Ava's upstairs. Daddy, I'm like, what? Okay, hey, 
ah, I gotta go. Like, this is what I was thinking, for real. I was like, I gotta go, I gotta get to church, gotta preach today, we got a lot going on, there's hot wings and amazing songs and like a so-so sermon, okay? So we gotta get there, right? And honestly, here's the first thing that happened in my head. I was like, I don't have time for this. Just being honest with you guys. And then I thought, ah, it's, you know, Father's Day, stop, back up, engage. So I go back up the stairs, my daughter comes down, And she just envelops me in this hug and just starts talking my ear off. Just telling me how much she loves me. And and she's so, she she wants me to share some things. And then then she's like, I'm going to write down some things, Daddy. I want you to share with them because you're going to talk about me, right? I'm like, yep. She's like, okay, I need you you to share these. And honestly, you guys, I could have missed this moment. Could have missed it. I could have been like, I'm too busy. I got to go. Daddy's got important things to do, but I didn't. I stopped. I looked her in the eye, and I could see that she knew that I was delighting in her, that she brought me great joy in that moment, more joy than being to work on time, more joy than getting the next thing done, that she was my focus, that I was delighted in her, that she brought me the greatest happiness and joy. Fathers, delight in your Daughters, this does not happen on accident. You will need to set down that cell phone, put away the laptop, look them in the eye, spend extra time with them. You will need to look at them eye to eye, face to face, to tell them that you love them with all of your heart. Delight in your daughters and with your sons, strengthen them. Strengthen your sons. I'm not talking about creating domineering sons not talking about creating these dudes who don't listen to anybody. Well, I'm talking about real strength, real power. Your sons need it. Our sons need it. I'm talking about creating a generation of strong, young men. This is something that was given to me as a gift. My dad, just this morning, I'm I'm just about to get out here at the nine o'clock and my phone buzzes and I got this long text message from my dad. Just telling me how proud he is of me, how he's excited for this new legacy guide thing that I'm doing, how he can't wait to see what's going to happen with all that. And, and here's the thing. Stacy Eldridge wrote that book, Captivating, and her husband, her husband, John Eldridge, wrote a book called Wild at Heart. Uh, very cool book, very familiar to many of you. And, and in it, he talked about a man's heart. And, and he talked about how men ask in various ways this question. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Now, it's not all in this super macho masculine ways, but I think in some ways, every man asks this question. Do I have what it takes? Some of us spend our whole careers trying to prove to somebody that I have what it takes. We climb the corporate ladder trying to prove that I have what it takes. We try to um, create these amazing athletic feats so that we might prove that I have what it takes, all the while wondering, do I really have what it takes? My mom and dad, they, they just showered me with how proud they were of me. That they, they literally had like cross stitch on the wall that just said, be strong and courageous. And they raised a strong young man. And I'm trying to raise a strong young man as well, Eli. One of the things, once again, this doesn't happen on accident. One of the things that I do with Eli every summer is we do an overnight camping trip. Just him, just me. Ava gets one too. She, she usually picks like Chico, which is sort of camping. Uh, anyway, 
pretty fun. Um, but Eli always picks somewhere kind of rugged. And last year we went up Storm Castle and uh, I let him shoot guns. I gave him his first knife, which honestly, you guys, he, has, he had no business having a knife at that point. Lori's like, are you serious? You give him a knife? I'm like, yes, yes. It's a little bit of danger in his life. He's probably gonna cut himself. It's okay. He's gonna be okay, right? And, and I remember being out there with him and going, hey, buddy, um, ran out of water, dude. Ran out of water. What are we gonna do? He's like, ah, uh, I don't know. He's like, do we have that water pump where we can pump our own water? I'm like, yeah, we do. He's like, okay, um, so we got water? I'm like, dude, I kind of forgot some food. Do we have any food? He's like, well, we got some, can we eat those berries? I'm like, we could eat those berries. I'm like, Bear grills ain't got nothing on us, my man, okay? <laughs> Survivors out here. I actually had water and food. Don't worry, okay? But I, I'm, I'm raising him to be strong and responsible, Eli, Eli and I have these conversations all the time. I don't give him stuff. I give him responsibilities. This is an aha moment for some of you dads right now, okay? Pay attention. So Eli said to me about a year ago, I want a library card. I'm like, great, library card. Sounds awesome. Let's go get that library card. So we go get that library card. And we walk out of the library and I go, hey, Eli, what do you have in your hand? And he just looks at it and he's like, I got a library card. I'm like, nope. You don't got a library card. He's like, uh, a little confused. Um, I don't know. It's a library card, Dad. Like something to check out books with? I'm like, nope. That's not a library card, Eli. That is a responsibility. And I believe in you. I know you can handle that responsibility. I know that you're going to bring your books back on time. I know that you're going to take care of those books when you take them home. You're not going to mistreat them. See, what you have in your hand, it's not, it's not a library card. It's a responsibility. Handle that responsibility well. He knows it so well. It's this funny little game we play now, right? I say, hey, what's the, what do you got in your hand? And he's like, I know, Dad. It's a responsibility. It's not a, it's not a Nintendo Switch. It's a responsibility. Yes, it is. It's a responsibility. Because I'm trying to raise a strong, responsible young man who will love others and care for others and passionately follow after Jesus. I'm trying to raise a a delightful daughter who loves people, takes care of people, who passionately follows after Jesus. This doesn't happen on accident. Fathers, delight in your daughters and strengthen your sons. Number three, honor your parents. Honor your parents. So in this passage, it's basically giving us an overview of, of what it looks like to live out faith. And there's nowhere that faith doesn't live. It lives when you, when you sit down at home and when you walk, alone, walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. It's always before you. It's even on your doorposts. You're always talking about faith. You're always cultivating faith. But, but in it, it says this, these commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. And one should beg the question, what is he talking about there? What are these commandments? Well, one page earlier, Moses gives the 10 commandments which Jesus later simplifies to two commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These encapsulate all the law and the prophets. We live in that way. But specifically for those people hearing this, they're hearing about these commandments that are to be written on their hearts. And one of those commandments, one of the 10 is this. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so you may live long 
and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And here's what I would encourage you toward. Honor your parents. I want to recognize this in the room and online right now. Today is hard for some of us. Some of you didn't get a text message this morning. Some of you didn't want a text message this morning. Some of you don't know if you will ever get a text message from your father because your father abandoned you. Some of you have very hard relationships with your father. Some of you are stuck in the middle where you're parenting and and then your parents are older and you're trying to help them in the last stages of their life. I just want to recognize it's complicated, right? Just like our series says, it's really complicated. Can I ask you this though? Would you try to find a way to honor your parents? Would you, would you attempt to try to follow these commandments by figuring out how to honor your parents? Let me give you a couple examples. For kiddos in the room, okay? Listening to your parents is super honoring. Loving your parents. They're not paying me to say this, by the way, okay? It's like, just listening to them, obeying them, the simple things that honors your parents. You can do it, okay? For those of you who have estranged relationships with your, with your dad, or you don't know your dad, um, can, I, can I encourage you this? Say what good you can say. And if you can't say anything good, don't take your father's advice, take your mother's advice. Don't say anything at all, okay? No, seriously, one of the most honoring things some of us in the room and online can do is to stop talking so poorly about our parents. To stop talking about them behind their back, to stop belittling them behind their back. I'm not saying what they did to you was right. I'm not not trying to justify anything in your past that shouldn't be justified. I'm not. But I'm asking you to try to find a way to honor them. Some of you need to go beyond that. Some of you need to forgive your parents. They may never ask you to forgive them, but one of the ways that you could, forget, you could honor them greatest is by forgiving them, by offering to them the same thing that Jesus offers to you, full forgiveness for the sins that you could hold against them for the rest of your life. Can I, can I just say, please try to find a way to honor your parents. So start with the heart. Start with the heart. Delight in your daughters and strengthen your sons. And then find a way to honor your parents. I want to make this super practical and just kind of wrap it up by using one ordinary piece of furniture that can transform your home. The table, okay? Bring back the table. That's that's what we're saying today, okay? I want you to bring back the table. And here's here's what I mean. I want you to engage in something that is timeless, something that is sacred, And that is a meal around a table with your family. This is something that we have lost the art of in our day and our culture because we're too busy, we're too scattered, we don't shut the phone off. And what I want to ask you to do is to consider that the table could be the greatest tool that your family has to connect and to foster faith and cultivate faith in your home. That you would gather around a table for at least one meal a day, if maybe just once a week, okay? Do what you can. Start where you can. But gather around that table and have a conversation about faith. This isn't hard, you guys. You can do it. I promise you can do this. There's never been more resources available, okay? 
Amazon's full of them. And if they're crummy, you'll figure it out in the first five days and go get another one, okay? You're gonna get a book, a devotional. You'll read it with your family. You'll just ask them simple things like this. Best thing today, worst thing today, right? And engage in that conversation fully. Looking them in the eye, phone's gone. You're having a conversation with your children, with your spouse, with your roommate, whoever might be in that home. You're engaging fully around the table. The table could be transformational for you, but it's gonna take time. It's gonna take intentionality. And it's not always gonna be beautiful. Let me just give you one more insight to the crew, right? The Vanep's crew, okay? We do table time almost every single night. We have conversations. What can I pray for you about? We have conversations uh, uh, about faith. We have devotional books that we go through. We have something we try to do every single night. And fathers, you know what? I, that's my responsibility, okay? Lori and I do it together, but like I, I wear that. Some of, oh, ooh, yeah, okay. Like, step up to this, guys. Some of you need to just, like, step up to this. I just want to encourage you. Like, I'm talking right to you. I don't know who you are, but I'm talking to you. Like, okay, step to this. Don't step away from this. Pastor your families. Pastor your families. Nurture your families. I believe in you. You can do this. You do have what it takes. Okay. So we sit, and I try to pastor the family. Lori and I try to pastor the family. And it's a mess, you guys. It's like, that's, I'm taking the stress off. It's not perfect. It's a mess. Like somebody's yelling and somebody's getting in trouble and I have to put myself in time out. That's how it works, okay? But we engage in this intentionally around the table because we love each other and we want to have a faith that is impressive. So take the table challenge. Gather around the table as a family this week without screens, without screens, to have great food, drink, and a conversation about faith. I want you to take that challenge. And here's why I want you to take that challenge. Because it's what Jesus did. See, Jesus, he just found himself around tables all the time. He found himself around tables with his disciples, cultivating faith. He, he found himself around tables with strangers, tax collectors, people he had no business being around tables at. And, and, and he just loved them and cared for them and cultivated faith in their life. He modeled for them what faith looked like. And he lived it out with them. And he invites you into it. And then he, he didn't just sit around tables. He actually told stories about tables. One of my favorite, I'll end with this. One of my favorites is this. He told this story, this, story, this parable of a son who said to his dad, dad, I, I want my inheritance which in those days was, dad, you're dead to me. And he took that inheritance and he spent it on wild living. And he had nothing left and, and, he, and he didn't know where to turn. And, and at the very last second, he thought to himself, man, even my father's servants have a better life than this. And so he headed back home and, and his dad sat on the front porch waiting for him, not to scold him, not to shame him, not to scorn him, but instead to invite him. And upon his arrival, his father ran to him, embraced him, kissed him, put his robe upon him, his ring on his finger, invited him into the house, sat him down at the table, and had a feast. No matter who you are as a father, no matter who you are with your father, you have a heavenly father who welcomes you to the table, who loves you, who cares for you, 
who says, come home, child. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a good dad who loves us and cares for us, who provides all that we need. And Jesus, even as we, we feel the weight of this teaching, I pray that you would um, pour grace upon top of it, um, that we would experience uh, the reality that we, we get to respond to your love in love, that it's not on our shoulders to manufacture faith, but that you are, you are the one who um, gave yourself so that we might have faith. That you died in our place, that you gave all that you had, Lord, so that we could just respond to you. God, I pray that that would strengthen us as we parent, as we mother and father, as we are friends, as we are coworkers. God, in this community, you help us, Jesus, to embrace this reality of a father's love lavished upon us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.